Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey everyone, Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and leave us a review. And today, inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Tim Jennings. Tim is a former NFL cornerback who played college football at the University of Georgia and was drafted in the second round of the 2006 NFL draft by the Indianapolis Colts. Tim also played for the Chicago Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. During Tim's NFL career, he won a Super Bowl with the Colts in 2006, his rookie year, and he also had two Pro Bowl appearances and led the NFL in interceptions in 2012. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for being here with us today. I've been thinking about our interview over the past few days. I'll just have to say that thinking about it brought back some good memories from watching games of the past, watching Colts games. My son is a Colts fan. He played cornerback in high school and from Chicago, some Chicago Bears fan. Let's start off our conversation with talk to us. How did you get into football? At a young age, I started, you know, my brother, he's been in the military for over 30 years. And I remember him going off and joining Marine when I was a little kid. So after high school, he went out to the Marines, but um, he kept in touch and he told my mother to keep me active, keep me playing sports. He sent me my first uniform, my first football uniform with the plastic helmets, the plastic shoulder pads, you know, just uh, just the plastic starter gear that you would never wear on the football field, but you just could play with it around the house. It kind of took off from there. So I'm just around the house just thinking I'm just, just you know, just football player at six years old. And just putting on that uniform, just playing around the house. So it kind of took off from there. And I got into kind of the recreation football when I was about nine years old. So it kind of took off from there when I got my first uh, uniform at the age of six or seven. And then I started playing organized football at the age of nine. And what was it about football that really made you excited about the game? The fun. You know, I, I had a lot of fun at playing at a, at a younger age. I was more of an aggressive kid. So... You know, being able to go out there, run around, have fun, and tackling, being able to just let some of that aggression out that I couldn't do with kids around the neighborhood, I think it just fitted what I enjoyed doing as a kid. You know, one of the sports, I love being outdoors, but football has definitely grew on me as one of my faves, and um, it kind of just took off for the love of the game because I had so much fun doing it. Great, and you played college football at Georgia. And so I'm, I'm an Alabama alum, so we, we differ on certain college game days, but we come together when it comes to uh, rooting against Auburn. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so talk to us about what was your experience like playing college football? Were there any important life lessons that you learned while being a collegiate athlete? Take it all. It was a root there. You know, playing under Coach Mark Rick, man, uh, it was definitely a root instead that he put into all his guys about you know, being able to play the game the right way, putting God first, you know, just preparing each and every day as, you know, it was it was your last. So, you know, that the program that Coach Rick built definitely still a lot of life lessons 
uh, on and off the field, to be exact, man. And I think it just resurrected throughout my whole 10 years of my career and kind of just took it off from there, man. Coach Rick definitely helped, you know, grow me as a, as a young boy onto uh, a man on and off the field. And talk to us about, was there a game that really stuck out in your mind as one that you learned from while at Georgia? It wasn't just one game. I think I took something from each and every game, whether it was a win or loss. Of course, I hate losing, but the only game I could definitely remember uh, was my sophomore year, you know, going down to LSU and then beating us on uh, the last drive, last play of the game. Uh, when I got beat by Skylar Green in the back of the end zone. So I always, I'm one of my worst critics, but I take a life lessons from each and every game, whether I have a good game or I have a bad game, but I know I've never wanted to feel that way ever again. That's one game that will definitely stick with me throughout my life, throughout my college career. And uh, ever since then, I, I've never lost against LSU, and I vowed to ever, <laughs> to ever lose against LSU. Gotcha. And I really like how you talk about taking away something from every game, whether it's a win or a loss. And so for us off the field, I think that's important for us to do as well in business and in life, good outcome or bad success or failure. It's important for us to take away lessons from each of those experiences. Absolutely. And so let's talk about LSU for a second. I want to talk about the 2005 Dr. Pepper SEC championship game. It's December 3rd, 2005. You guys are playing in the Georgia Dome, which is no more. Georgia's ranked 13. LSU's ranked three. LSU's favored to win. You guys had played again, or you guys had played before in the SEC championship game a couple of years before where LSU won. Talk to us about that game. Georgia ended up beating LSU in that game, 34-13. So what was that like for you playing in that championship game? I had a real solid game. I had a sack, had a pick six, a couple, couple tackles for losses. But only thing I can remember that you mentioned a couple of years back LSU put up a good old beating on us in the SEC Championship. I think uh, Justin Vincent had a fields day against us, rushing over 200 yards. So when we faced them in the SEC Championship in 2005, that's all that I was thinking about is how they did us in the Dome a couple years back. So that game was definitely one of the statements when I'll see you year. So we wanted to definitely go out with a bang in the SEC Championship game and do it in a good fashion and, and kind of return the favor that they gave us a couple years back. Gotcha. And what did you do to prepare and what did the team do to, uh, to really ensure high performance the second time around? And what ultimately do you think contributed to your team's success? I mean, you guys won 34-13 when you guys played two years prior. They beat you 34-14. So what do you think really allowed you to dominate this time around? Well, I think, you know, Coach Rick, you know, he, he's still in us what, you know, what happened years back. The rival that us and LSU always have, the importance of that game, you know, being two top-ranked SEC schools, just propelling us to the task that's going to be at hand. So the whole week or two that we prepared for, we knew that was a big game. It's always going to be a big game. And I think that the senior class that we had that year was made, that played a major role. You know, I, I can't remember us just being downtown in Atlanta and just just preparing as being one of those big games. So the focus all week was definitely one to remember. The seniors did a great job, you know, just, just leading us, helping the young guys, preparing for what's going to be coming in their future. So Coach Rick did a phenomenal job in just keeping us focused and having us, you know, ready to go. Great. And, you know, I've had a number of defensive backs on my podcast before. So in your mind, talk to us, what does it take to be an elite DB? What does it take to be an elite athlete? 
Well, definitely to be an elite DB, you have to have that short-term, that short-term memory. You definitely want to have that competitive edge because being out there by yourself, guarding one of the top receivers in the country, it's going to take a lot of confidence and it's going to take a short-term memory. You know, you're going to give up some plays, but you want to make more than you give up. You don't want to give up those big plays. You want to minimize big plays and just make the plays that you can make. So whether it's a catch, you want to be a catch tackle and just not give up those big plays because that one play that you can make can be a game changer. So uh, being an elite DB has definitely had, you know, taught me about having short-term memory and, and just having that confidence out there on the island. But being a, an elite athlete is definitely just taught me about the hard work and dedication that it's going to take to be great at, you know, whatever you do. So I think whatever I decide to do outside of football, my football background is going to kick in at some point because I want to be great at whatever it is I'm doing, whether it's, you know, coaching, whether it's teaching. I got to take pride in it because having my football background of the hard work, dedication, what did you put in is definitely what you're going to get out of it. I'm a true believer in that. Yeah, there's definitely so many things you can take away from being a top athlete uh, that can apply beyond the game as well. So let's talk about, you mentioned, try not to give up many big plays. What happens when you do give up a big play? How do you bounce back mentally and focus on the next play? It's tough. You know, you're going to be down on yourself for the majority of the rest of the game. But for those top cornerbacks that, you know, have the confidence, they, they know they're going to give up plays. You just don't want to give up that big crucial play that's going to be the deciding factor of the game. That was the one that hurt the most. That was the one that sting the most. But, you know, big, give up that big play early in the game, that's okay. Uh, because you have the rest of the game to, to bounce back and make that play that might change the difference in the outcome of the game. So being a cornerback has definitely prepared me for so much that life has to, you know, the ups and downs life has brain. That's just the way life is, you know. Love it. So, so let's talk about you playing in the NFL. Drafted in the second round. You're going to the Colts. You guys end up winning a Super Bowl that season. You had a 12-4 season. Then you beat uh, Kansas City, then the Ravens, then the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl and then beat the Bears, obviously, in the Super Bowl itself. What was that first season like for you? And what was the biggest aha moment that you had transitioning from college to pros? That, that my rookie year, it really opened up my eyes a lot. You know, I was still a young kid being excited to play in the NFL and let alone being drafted by, you know, the Indianapolis Colts being, the, you know, the, one of those great teams you want to watch, but having Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne. You know, I, I can go on for days about the future Hall of Famers and the Hall of Famers that's already been a part of that organization. So it was still kind of surreal for me my first couple of years. And going in there, having a great situation, being in, you know, being a part of a great situation, being drafted in the second round, I took a lot from it. You know, I didn't have an opportunity to play a lot. I played some special team, but I had some great group of guys in front of me that taught me a lot, taught me how to be a pro and about, you know, how to come to work every day, being a pro. And it took me a couple of years to kind of figure out, you know, I, I just always relied on my athletic ability. But in the NFL, it's not that easy. You know, you got to, you know, take care of your body. You got to take film football home with you. You got to you got to critique yourself every day because that's what the greats do. That's how they get better every day. And I didn't, I didn't realize that until my second or third year. Uh, I would just go to practice, do my treatment, and go home and get ready for the next day. But as I got older and watched some of the older guys and realized like, what they do to separate themselves, 
it was that. They would take football home and they would live in the film room. They would watch film home, take care of their bodies. That was one thing that I really realized being a young rookie going into my career of football. You mentioned some really great Hall of Famers, uh, future Hall of Famers, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Peyton Manning. What about them in your mind separated them from other people in the NFL? Uh, the way they approached the game, the way they approached practice, it was just, you know, second to nine, man. Peyton Manning, it was a practice was like game day to him every day. You know, he was just one of those guys that was just business like on that practice field. And it was, a, it was fun to watch. It was amazing to watch. You know, I just remember sometimes Peyton and Coach would just go back and forth with it because it wasn't perfect to Peyton or it wasn't what's, what is expected. It was phenomenal to watch. And I think that's what kind of separates him from a lot of guys in the NFL. You know, I didn't have a plan to play with a lot of them, but just a few that Peyton took practice more serious than he took games. So just watching those guys work every day, working on their craft, working to get better, it just amazed me that I could be a part of it and watch these older guys do some of the things that these younger guys can't do. And was there a player that really pushed you to continually be better? One of the things that I wrote about in my Move the Ball book was the need for continual improvement. And it's about you know trying to get that 1% better every day and always working on improving your craft. Was there someone that really kind of got on you on a day-to-day basis and forced you to improve? It didn't really get into me a day-to-day basis until I got to maybe Chicago. Uh, I had a coach called, you know, his name was John Hope, and he was a good buddy of mine, and he just, he just saw something in me that I needed to get every day. So he pushed me every day. He, he just found some of my strengths that can overcome some of my weaknesses, and I think that just helped me become a far better football player. But every day – practice. Um, just watching Antoine Bethea coming in with him. He was a, you know, went to Howard University being a six-round draft pick. He was just one of those guys that just worked hard every day that when he was out there. So he definitely pushed me to become a better football player because I know if Antoine could do it, I definitely could do it. That's why he's still playing this game to this day being 14 or 15 years that he's playing this game. Being a six-round draft pick. And those are people that I admire the most. And those are people that I look up to the most. Great. Appreciate you sharing that. So one other question about playing football. Talk to us, what was it like uh, being coached by Tony Dungy? Obviously a great, great coach, great leader. Talk to us about that experience. Man, Tony Dungy, that was an amazing experience, man. He was not far off from Coach Rick. But Coach Dungy didn't really say a lot, didn't really raise his voice. But his, his voice spoke so much volume, so much power because of the knowledge and the respect you have for him. You know, man of God, just teach you how to do your job, do it the right way, just execute. Just listen, think, and execute. It's not really that hard. You know, he had so many models about no excuses, no explanations. Like, this is just some of the things that he is stealing us to make us realize that it doesn't take a lot to be great. You know, just just do what you're supposed to do. Do it at 100%. Give it everything you got. I think it was bigger than football, man. He, he just made this game so much bigger than football to where it made football easier. It's life. Football is a game of life. He helped us realize that and help us realize that outside of football, you got to take that same approach going into the real world when you're becoming a man, when you're becoming a father. Just do what you got to do, lead by example, and just work hard at doing it, and everything else will take care of itself. 
So let's talk about it's time to hang up your cleats and transition out of playing in the NFL. Talk about that journey and share with us what you're doing now. That journey, it really, really been a smooth, pretty much transition because, like I said, you, you, you originally play the game to have fun. You know, after playing so many years, money starts to come in, get involved as far as contract negotiation, you know, um, you know, playing at your, what you think you value at. And the game becomes a business after a while. Once you start to incorporate X amount of dollars, it becomes a business. And then at that point, now, you know, you kind of take the fun out of the game. You got all these rules and regulations. So the transition outside of football, it's become kind of easy. And I started transitioning myself to what do I see myself doing after football? And always, the thing of mine is always being able to help kids, being outdoors, being able to help others. So my transition has been pretty smooth. I started working with training, you know, training kids outside of football. I had a gym for a while. Unfortunately, the pandemic was facing me to, you know, go a different route. Um, but I've been having that for about five years. But now it taught me that now I can do what I love to do, and that's train defensive backs. So now I train defensive backs from all ages, mostly high school, going and getting ready for college, uh, college guys, getting ready for the pros. So being able to use my experience throughout my high school, college, and pro level, being able to give that back to the kids that need it the most. Bigger than football, but it's going to translate to life itself. And how can people learn more about your training programs? Do you have a website or are you on social media? Uh, social media at uh, underscore pick six training. That's P-I-C-K, the number six training. Uh, you can find that on Instagram right now. That's where you can find me at. You can also follow me on Twitter at uh, Jen on Twitter. That's H-E-N-N or O-R-J-E-N-N. Um, you can definitely find me on those two social medias just to kind of help with, you know, anything that you're trying to get ready for, young men getting ready for the next level, whether it's middle school, high school, or college. Okay, great. And we'll be sure to put those in the show notes as well so people can reach out. What I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill where I'm just going to ask you seven fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite food? Start with that one, huh? <laughs> Ah, my favorite food, I definitely have to go with tacos. Like, it's just been, I can't miss with tacos right now. Gotcha. All right, how about what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie would definitely, between Coming to America and Hall of Nights. If I had to choose, I would definitely say Hall of Nights. Okay. How about what's your favorite professional sports team? I've definitely been a Laker fan since the whole Kobe Bryant area. Since, you know, rest in peace to Kobe. He's kind of, he's been gone. He's, he's left us in a better place. I'm still a Laker fan, uh, but if I had to choose a favorite team right now, it'd be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because my cousin Donnie Abraham, you know, introduced me to the Bucks when he played there back in the late 90s. He introduced me to my first NFL football game when I went to the Buccaneers game. So favorite team would probably be the Buccaneers. Okay. How about what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Best piece of advice would definitely have to relate to football. Come from one of the greats, uh, Ron Marinelli. <laughs> in Chicago. Mm -hmm. This might not resonate with a lot of people, but every day he actually, you know, uh, tell him, how you feeling today? And before I can come out with an answer, he would tell you, nobody really cares. Like, <laughs> 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 nobody really cares. Like, we this, we here today, we got to make the best of it. So I just took it as, you know what? He's right. We just got to make the best of what we have because nobody really 
nobody really cares about how your day is going. It's what you make of it as a human being, as a person. I gotcha. Okay. It's, it's an interesting way to look at things, but yeah. Very so. interesting. <laughs> but I, I took it as, I took it as, you know, just being sore, going to practice each and every day. Sore, like, coach, I'm not really feeling well. Nobody really cares. We got to get better. So, you know what, coach, <laughs> let me, let me go ahead and suck this up and let me, let me, let me go ahead and get better today. You're right. I gotcha. Okay. How about what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? I would tell, you know, people, it's pretty much just working when nobody else is watching. That's going to instill in who you really are. Ways to just become a better person, a better coach, a better athlete, a better player, a better teacher. You know, the results are going to speak for itself. And I want to know how do I got those results. And I know if I did the little things, even when nobody's watching, that's where my results come from. So Perfect. How about what is one thing that most people don't know about you? I'm a country guy. I love to fish. I got this golf bug right now. I don't know, man. If you meet me, you can pretty much you can pretty much get the vibe of who I really am. I'm a genuine guy at heart, but I'm a country boy also. Gotcha. Okay. My last question is if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Ah man, I thought about this a little bit, man. I growing up I was definitely a Wolverine fan. I don't know why. I know he's uh, he has this arrogance about himself that people really don't like. But I think Wolverine was definitely one of those realists that he's going to tell you exactly how he feels as a personality standpoint, but also being able to heal quickly. If I can able to come back with that ankle sprain <laughs> in the same day, that's definitely want to be a superpower of mine. Come back from any injury or any pain that you may have. One of the things that I would admire the most about, you know, Wolverine. Okay, great answer. So as we wrap up today's show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Um, I think you pretty much hit it on the head, Jennifer. I mean, it's been, it's been awesome being able to share my thoughts, share my experience with you guys, my concerns, and definitely what I got going on right now. You can definitely you know, find me. Gotcha. All right. Thanks for sharing that. Well, thanks, Tim, so much for being on the show today. It's been a real pleasure. All right. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. And thanks to everyone for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also, join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.